0: God, I pray that you will come, your spirit and your power, you'll take us where you want us to go. In Jesus' name. I grew up in Korea. I am very proud of my heritage. I was born there. My father was born there. My grandfather was born there. Um, Korea is the closest thing I have to home on this earth. When we were young and we'd travel around the country, we would see occasionally on the hillsides in Korea, a long earthen mound going up the side of a hill. And those were kilns, K-I-L-N-S. And the cool thing is you build a fire at the bottom and you have these chambers all the way up the hill with little openings in the sides. And the temperature can be very precisely controlled so that you can fire your ceramics to precisely the right temperature to get precisely the right effect. Talking today about into the fire. The Koreans were doing this stuff starting about 900 A.D. And they did it up until about 1200 when the Mongols, you've heard of Genghis Khan. He came through, not personally, but the Mongols took over Korea. And there was sort of a degradation of the culture and stuff. And so the art form has been lost. And they've been trying ever since then to recover the art that they had that long ago. This is before Martin Luther. Okay? This is 300 years before Martin Luther. It peaked in about 1100. One of the things that distinguishes celadon from other ceramic ware, I'm going to pass it around in a little bit, is. They purposely put very tiny little fissures and cracks in the glaze. And that gives it the cracks catch the light. The cracks catch the light. And you can't just throw this in the fire and get the right crack. There's an art form to it that they still haven't. They always say, you can't get that. We're not quite there yet. In my hometown in Korea, there's a man who is a national treasure because he's so good at it? Isn't that cool that you make a person your national treasure? Because he's closest to anyone else in Korea at recovering the art form. Okay, I'm going to pass this around in a little bit. Um, but look for the cracks in the glaze. This is not a. This is not a 1,200-year-old vase. This is something I bought in a subway stop. Okay, so. Um, but but it gives you just the idea. So I'm just gonna take a glance, pass it back, and eventually we'll need it back. What, tell me, is the first ingredient in ceramics? Clay, cool. How did that become that? Okay, someone puts it on a wheel, right? In Korea they use, at least the old school, they have a cement stone, pretty heavy and they have it propped up just right and they do it with their feet so they can p- control the the speed just right. Now they probably got electric too and stuff, I don't know. Anyway, it's very cool. And anyway, okay, and so you've got dirt dug from a muddy stream bed and you've got someone who fashions it by hand. If you just put it in a mold and pack it, it's just ceramics, okay? It's not selenon, it's not, it's not fine art, okay? But if you fashion it by hand on the wheel that you turned, you get something more beautiful, something more personal, something that the hands have handled and formed precisely. What else do you do after you've built this thing on your potter's wheel? You let it dry, and then what do you do? Fire it. What does that mean? You got to put it in a fire, right? Otherwise, it's just a muddy, like nice little thing, but it's still basically mud. So it's got to go into the fire before it becomes what it is to be, what it's intended for. And after they've fired it, then they glaze it. And I, I'm not a potter, so I'm just giving you the rough overview, okay? You guys know more than I do. Um, and then that's where they paint the glaze on and stuff like that and fire it to precisely the right temperature. And if you're good, then you get, and you're trying to get ceramics, I'm trying to get celadon, then that's what you come out with. It has to be the precise temperature for the precise time, and then you come out with a, something that's a work of art. The survival rate for these things, I, this is just from an ad, okay, but um, they say that modern Korean sculptors or artists destroy, because they're particular, they'll, um, about 5% are done away with in the molding process. About 15% more are thrown out in the decorating process. Twenty percent die in the first firing, and twenty-five percent die in the final firing. So there's a particularness in art form to this. Okay. Can I borrow that back one second? Okay, I'll give it back to you in a second, but. So sometimes, friends, of, friends and people of God, sometimes we need to let God use this on this to get this. Use this on this to get this. Okay, And if we say, oh, no, I don't want that shovel, God, you can stay dirt. He's not going to force you. Jeremiah nineteen eighteen. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house. There I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house. And I saw him working at his wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord, like clay in the hand of potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, or a person, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce to a nation or kingdom that it's to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. We, people of God, are are clay in the hands of the potter, and our response to the potter's hands, makes a difference in the outcome of our lives. Okay? All right. Now that's an introduction. I'm going to turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. And I'm going to make you guys listen, or you can read along if you want. Daniel chapter 3. We're going to read the whole story. Okay? I'll try to go fast. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, all those guys, assembled for the dedication of the image, and they stood before it. And the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the lute, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and the pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Okay, when I was trying to think of something sort of a contemporary example of this, I was thinking of like the inauguration of President Obama, okay? You have everybody from everywhere who was there. And it's on TV, and there's people busing in from miles away, and you get the best world class musicians to play for it. It's a big corporate state level deal, and Persia at the time was one of the premier nations of the world. So this would be on the scale of Obama's inauguration, okay? Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to the king, O King, live forever! You have issued a decree. Da, 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 I'm going to fast forward here. Whoever does not fall down, it's anyway. But verse 12, there are some Jews who you have who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O King. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horns, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace." then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But... Even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then even if not, even if not, God can save us, but even if he doesn't, what will you choose? Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious and his attitude changed and he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and the guys who, um, I'll, okay, I'll dip into it again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the blazing, fiery furnace. These men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up the three. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. End of story? You know the story. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Certainly, O oh king. He said, look, I see four walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out. Come here. They're tied up. How are they going to come out? Something burned off in the furnace. What burned off in the furnace? Only the ropes burn off. Only the ropes burn off. Only the ropes burn off. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. Not surprising. The fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be the God of these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who had sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god other than their own god. Therefore, I now decree that any... People or nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut to pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I love this story. I love the the willingness of the servants of God to go into death if it's required of them. Face death for the sake of the honor of God. I want to tell you how I came to this message, okay? This is a very small comparison to this. All summer long, I kept running into things in my life that were kind of in the way of me and God, between me and God. And I'll, I'll give you just one example, just so you know how picky or piddly my brain sometimes is. I got called by my safety supervisor because I hadn't worn on my bus My seatbelt, I was pulling out, I was in a hurry. I always, I really do, I always wear my seatbelt. But I was late getting out and I hadn't got the sign set and I was gonna have to hop up and change the signs and all this, so I hadn't fastened my seatbelt and he caught me. And I was so mad, not because he caught me, but because there's no way I can make him believe that I always wear my seatbelt, okay? Because I care what he thinks about me. Does it matter what he thinks about me? Not too much, right? Not too much. The point is, am I wearing my seatbelt? Okay? And I know I am. But this is a picky little thing, and it was needling at me. So what I believe God showed me was, throw it into the fire. Throw, James, into the fire. That concern I have, that disproportionate concern of what people think about me. Throw it into the fire. Let it get consumed because I don't want to spend my whole shift worrying about what the supervisor thinks of me. I've got to drive a bus. You see how unproductive we get trapped in these unproductive cycles of just junk from our lives. It can be big or it can be little. And There's bigger battles that I need to throw into the fire. There's bigger things that I need to throw into the fire. But these things are like the ropes that need to be burned off in the fire, so that I can walk free and give a testimony to God for his honor. You with me? You see that? So those things that are in us, that need, that are holding us back from God's purpose, throw them into the fire so that you can go free. The ropes burn off and you walk free. Scripture says that everything will be tested by fire. I'm going to fire up our powerpoint in just a minute here but i want to read this first 1st corinthians chapter 3 verse 10 to 15 sorry i forgot to look up page numbers for you 1st corinthians 3 10 to 15 by the grace god has given me this is paul talking to the corinthians i laid a foundation as an expert builder but each but someone else is building on it each one should be careful how he builds No one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Who's the foundation in your life? Jesus Christ has been, he's been laid in your life, okay? And Paul's saying, what are you going to build on the foundation of Jesus in your life, okay? If any man, verse 12, if any man builds on this foundation using gold or silver or costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames." Daniel 3 was a fire of intimidation. 1 Corinthians 3 is a fire of what I call testing or purification or judgment. And the judgment and purification kind of go together, right? Okay? if It's pass, fail. okay. And the question for us is then, what are you building on the foundation that God has laid in your life? Are you building just junk that can get thrown out? that will get burned up? Or are you building something that will last a little longer? I was in college when I thought about here I am in a new world and what am I going to do with my life? And the most base level insight that I got was I want to build for something that will last. And what is that? For me, it was the answer was the people of God. The people last. You have an eternal destiny. So I want to make sure that the people that God puts in my life, have a chance at that eternal destiny, not in the one fire, but in the fire of God's spirit. I want to build what will last. Okay. Fire will test the, each person's work. It will test what you've built. It will test you. It will test what you're building. Okay. The other references are just for, I'm not going to go into all of them for all of these screens, but they're there so you know I'm not just making up little, little. Um, you know, there's more than one verse and I can't go into all of them. Okay. There are a lot of other fires in Scripture. We've looked at the first two. There's fires of covenants and altars and offerings. So Abraham in Genesis 15, that's when God comes to him in the smoking fire pot, and it's this really weird thing. They cut the animals in half, and got, the torch passes through. It's weird, freaky, scary stuff. It was, it's called a thick, dread darkness. You ever met God that way? I'm trying to think. I've, I've gotten maybe close sometimes. But I don't think of God as or God's presence as a thick, dread, darkness. It's not all Jesus loves me, sweetness and light. Sometimes there's a dread. Sometimes there's a darkness. Because he's so much more than we can be. And it's like, whoa. Second Gideon, when he meets the angel, the angel finds him in the li- mi- winepress, and God calls him a mighty man of valor and uh, Gideon 's going who me <laughs> you know and uh, But then when Gideon offers the offering, and then the angel touches it and it goes up in fire. The last one is Elijah on Mount Carmel, and that is the famous one where he 's having the showdown with the prophets of Baal. They get all the big guys from Baal, and they all come and to the sacrifice and there 's one thing I want to point out there: first kings. 18 Sorry, one of my place marks fell out here. First kings 18 They build the altar and they put the offering on it. And the prophets of Baal call all day on their God who to come and receive this offering, but we're not going to put the fire on it. God's going to do that. And then Elijah calls on the Lord God, and fire comes from heaven. Okay, so that's the story. Um Around the time, uh, 1 Kings 18, 36. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O oh God, answer me. So these people will know that you, O oh Lord, are God and that you are turning their, their hearts back to him. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. I love that. I mean, this is a time of drought. And just to show that it's not some trick, Elijah made them dump water over the altar like three or seven times, I forget exactly how many. But they soaked this thing, and water filled the trench around it. And then the fire came and burned it all up. But when it came to the water, it doesn't say it burned it up. It says it licked it up. There's something of God receiving that sacrifice. Okay? He didn't just go, boom, he went down. God received that sacrifice. There was fire there, but there's a receiving, there's a personal touch to God receiving. Anyway, so another kind of fire is God receiving our offerings. There is. This is one of the most important ones. The fire of God's presence and Elijah, I'm sorry, burning bush, Moses' first direct encounter with God. This bush is burning but it's not burned up, etc. Mount Sinai, when he goes up onto the mountain and the people are all shaking with fear and Moses goes up because it looked like a consuming fire and Moses says, I'm coming, God. I'm coming. He didn't stay down and tower in his tent. He didn't you know, he went up to meet God in the consuming fire.
1: Elijah in
0: the cave, um, and there's the earthquake and the fire and the strong wind that breaks rocks, and then God comes to him in the gentle whisper. His person, Revelation one twelve and to 18. I'm going to come back to that one a little later. His spirit, every time the spirit comes, there's usually fire. His eyes, Revelation, let me read that one. Revelation 2, we're going to, no, yeah, I better go to 1, 12 to 18 first. Sorry, Revelation 1, 12 to 18. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was one like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest, his head, and hair were, like, were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like a blazing fire. Have you seen those eyes? His feet were like bronze glowing. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sh- sun shining in its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and last. I am the living one. I was dead. But behold, I am alive forever and ever. He's been through the furnace. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. Turn to Daniel 7. Daniel 7, 9, and 10. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was blazing with fire. All its wheels were ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him, and 10,000 times, 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I'm so glad Kevin did the song about, the, uh, you know, the devil can't separate us from the love of God. I'm so glad that the fire of God's throne is not something that is against us. fire of judgment of Jesus' return or final punishment. When's the last time you heard a sermon on hell? Um, I put these up not because I'm gonna read all of them but because I want you to know that it's not just a footnote in scripture that there is a fiery judgment awaiting at the end of the road and our final destiny matters very much. And on our journey of life, what we are building in this, on the foundation that Jesus has built, it makes a difference in where we end up. I want to look at the Mark 9 one. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to read all of them, but we'll look at one or two. Mark 9, 42. Mark 9.42, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, uh, Jesus cares about little ones, okay? Got to treat our children carefully, okay? It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands go into hell where uh, where the fire never goes out. Jesus is saying, you know, when I see someone without a hand, I just go, oh, I'm a musician. I need my hands. And I imagine what would it be like to go without hands. It would be just so debilitating for me. And Jesus is saying, you'd be better off without your hand, James, than to go to hell. You'd be better off living your whole life without a hand if it meant that you could escape fires of hell. So get our priorities right. I'm going to go on a little farther. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God. Enter the kingdom of God with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. You know what? All those other fires... Back up a minute. Whoops. Okay. All these other fires, intimidation and testing and purification and judgment and covenant and altars and offerings and fire of God's presence, all of these fires are intended to free us from this fire. Which fire do you want to go into? Will you let God... That's my shovel. Let God use this on this. Will you let God put that vase into the fire, heat it just long enough, just hot enough to open the cracks that reflect the light? God is master of all the fires. Daniel and I mean those three friends of Daniel are in there and he goes, oh let's go let's go walk around with them for a little while He joins us in the fire okay he lets the fire burn off the ropes so that we can go free okay I want to read um, a couple more and then I'm going to give you an invitation I don't want to scare you I really don't. That's not why I'm saying this. What what I want for you is to get over our terror of the fire of God so that we can come near and let him take out the garbage so that we can be with him in that fire of light, that holiness, that river of light that the Holy Spirit can burn bright in our lives and there's nothing there to hinder. Two references I've got to tell you. Remember right before um, right before the crucifixion, Jesus went to Peter and he said, Peter, Satan's demanded to sift you. And Satan's going to go through your life with like a fine-tooth comb and anything he can grab to hold against you, likely he would do that he would certainly try. Now, Jesus let Satan go do that to Peter. I'd be going, you know, I would have thought Jesus would say, you know, sorry, Satan, he's my boy. You can't touch him. But Jesus let Peter be sifted. Why? To get that junk that had to come out of him, out of him so he could be fit as a leader of the church for the first, however many, first decades of its existence. Okay? So Jesus let Satan sift Peter. And I believe that most often he will let Satan sift us. And we don't like it. But those things that Satan gets, we put them in the fire of God's presence. The ropes burn off and we're free to go. One more related to that. Um, In John 14, Jesus says, I will not speak with you much longer. For the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Wouldn't it be cool to say, the prince of the world is coming, but he has no hold on me? I stand with Kevin, you know, because guys who are walking with, with Jesus and not letting the deposits of the evil one build up in our lives, we're putting them in the fire. And so when the evil one comes looking for you, you say, you've got nothing on me. You've got nothing on me. You've got no hold. It's like holding a fistful of water. It just runs out. And God takes those ropes off, and we go free, and Satan has no hold on us because we have gone through the fire. Psalm 139. Lord, you have searched me. Fire of God, the eyes of blazing fire. You know when I sit. Oh God. Jesus, please come. Jesus, come now and make your word real and true in our hearts and in our spirits. Oh, Lord, you have searched me. You know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. Think of that little furnace. That, that, That little pot goes into that blazing furnace. You hem me in behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your right hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely, the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, and I was woven together in the depths of the earth. One more. Let's jump down to verse 23 first. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious ways. See if there is any offensive way in me. Get it out of there. And lead me in the way everlasting. Will you let him sift you? Will you let him take that? Will you let him lead you into the fire? One more. Isaiah 43 if you don't know this one remember where it is so you can find it because this one will nourish you I'm actually going to start out right before chapter 43 end of chapter 42 Isaiah this talks about the fire that Israel had to pass through which of you will listen to this or pay I'm in Isaiah 4223. Which of you will listen to this or pay close attention in time to come? Who handed Jacob over to become loot and Israel to be plunderers? It's like, God, how did this happen? Why did this happen? How come I I got looted? How come I got plundered? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For they would not follow his ways and did not obey his laws. So he poured out on them his burning anger, the violence of war. It enveloped them in flames. Yet they did not understand. It consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. So when the fire comes, we have a choice. Oh, I want you to choose right. desperately want you to choose right. But now, Isaiah 43, but now this is what the Lord says. He who formed you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight and because I love you. We have a Redeemer who has gone through the greatest fire so that we don't have to go into that fire ever. And we have a skilled potter, sculptor, artist, artisan who takes us into his fires so that he can get the work of art that he had in mind when he knit you together in the mother's womb. Give you an invitation today. Um, I am going to ask, um, Brenda, worship team, you guys can go ahead. just. And I'm going to invite the prayer ministers also to come forward if you're willing, unless you need prayer yourself. And I would like to invite you today, if you want to deal with God on this matter, if there's some of those little pebbles that need to go into the fire, and I invite you to come to the altar and lay those into the fire so they can be consumed, so the ropes can be burned off and you can go free. If there's a dumpster full, I felt in the summer like I had a dumpster full to throw into that fire. I really did. It was just, it kept coming and it was all this little stuff, but it was just, it stunk. It stunk and I don't want to stink. So I took that dumpster and I threw the dumpster into the incinerator, the fire of God. If you want to dump your dumpster into his fire, I invite you to come forward. And maybe most important, if you just want you, who you are and who God made you and who God intends you to be, to be, become the work of art that can only come through the fire. The cracks in the glaze show the light then I invite you to come up and I'll pray with you. If you want to just deal with God, then just have kneel at the altar or sit there. If you want prayer, then talk to one of the prayer ministers. And prayer team, I would like you guys to come up please and just stand together. And then I'm gonna pray and you guys, maybe you can pray and play instrumentally while we're. Sovereign Lord, you are a good artist. You're a good artist and you are a master craftsman. You are building works of art from your people. When you formed us in the womb, you were not just haphazard about it. You were not just haphazard about it, but you chose the right clay from the right stream bed and you blended it the right way. And you put us on your wheel and you formed us with your hands because you had a work of art in mind. You had a work of art in mind. And we've got gravel, God, that messes up your work. And we want to get the gravel out. We want to go through your sifter. We want to say yes to your fire. And sometimes when you do good things, then we're just, we get distracted by the good things you've done, and we we hang on to that, and that becomes a corruption too. So we need to just lay that, all the good things you've done in our lives, we want to lay that on the altar of your fire, God. I do invite you to come if you want prayer. You don't have to, but don't don't just leave without talking to God. And God, if for those of us who just want to be rid of the battle of self and selfishness that prevents us from becoming who you want us to be, and we let all these other things keep us from your calling and purpose, Lord God, Receive us into your fire so that we can be formed into the work of art that you intend. Jesus, minister now by your Holy Spirit. Only you can do this work, God. We cannot make it happen. We cannot even put ourselves into the fire, but we can invite you and your Holy Spirit fire to come and work however you want in us. God, I will not stand away from your fire. And as you help me, never again will I stand away from your fire. Holy Spirit, come now with your fire. Search your people. Do your work. Make us into the people that you want us to be. And commit this time and your people into your care. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: We want to remain sensitive to what the Lord's doing here. And I just know how it goes. Some of you have places that you feel like you need to go to. I want to pray for us we can't do this by ourselves. This is not, this is a work of God. This is God's work. This is not ours. And and we need to have hope in that. And so father, I just pray now for each one of you that the God of all hope would fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy spirit. And I pray that the very God of peace would sanctify you. I pray that your whole body and your whole spirit and your whole soul be preserved blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ i just pray god's blessing on you in every area as men and women as husbands and fathers and grandparents and students that you would go from this place filled with an understanding of the immeasurable love of god as you go from this place you would go with the understanding you're an ambassador that you would go and bring his presence in this world in jesus name i pray amen